that augmented in that G is very famous. You know which one I'm talking about? Where it kind of bends it up. I do now that you're mentioning it. Yeah. Okay. Let me let me actually do it here. I got the guitar. Oh. Here, here we go. Oh, we didn't uh, tune before the show, did we? <laughs> yeah, we didn't tune. All right. Welcome to the Echo Spire Song Destruct podcast, where we reverse engineer the most influential songs in history and where we dance to architecture. It's a tightly formatted show where we dive into the mechanics of songwriting, production, deconstructing chord structure, song architecture, production design, and arrangements. We rate and review the effectiveness of these song elements, and we evaluate what we can learn from them so that we can become better songwriters and designers. Today's episode is not going to be Led Zeppelin, as I promised in the past episode. I took one long look at Led Zeppelin. I said, it's 145. Don't believe me. Go listen to all their songs. It's literally 145 with a couple of songs like Cashmere, which push the boundaries a little bit, some chromatic shifts or half step, uh, you know, augmented six, sevens kind of stuff. It's rare and few. It's mostly 145 music with a lot of flat sevens. Uh, so instead, today, because it is December, we're doing a Christmas song episode, and the theme is going to be Visiting the Cousins, which is a great theme name. As we've mentioned in the past episodes, Visiting the Cousins is another way of, if you're in the key of E, you're talking about using a G or a C. These are kind of the flat thirds and the flat six, and we'll go into it. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Hello. Are you smoking a cigar today? No, I'm inside today. Uh, okay. I don't remember what time. That must have been in the evening last time we recorded, because that's when I enjoy my cigars. Yeah, right. You smoke three cigars a day, one for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, like uh, Joe <laughs> Pesci. <laughs> well, man, I did a lot of research for this episode. So I appreciate I, you giving me the heads up that you were changing from Zeppelin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which you didn't. <laughs> so here we are. Here we are. I'm going to wing it. <laughs> I got 30 songs, 30 Christmas songs. And uh, heck, I could have gone for 100 because Christmas music is extremely dense in song structure. So all the chord sequences, there's a lot of commonalities, but there's a lot going on in terms of how they veer from the established pattern. So it's a very interesting genre of music. And let me just go on the record. I've never heard anyone say this before, but I believe Christmas music is actually the precursor to rock and roll music, not blues. Well, when were when were the most of the, like, let's say the Christmas hits that we all know, when were they written? Mostly the 40s and 50s or something? Okay, so you had a few in the 30s, such as Santa Claus is Coming to Town, 1934, hmm. uh, Walking in a Winter Wonderland, 1934 as well. So those are the early precursors. Of course, you always had the first Noel and Silent Night and some of this earlier music that kind of came out of either the jazz age or traditional religious hymns. But in the 40s, you start getting stuff like happy holidays, happy holidays, while the merry bells keep ringing, happy holidays to you. And of course, White Christmas, which is the best-selling single of all time outside of even Christmas music, which, by the way, let me bring it full circle. White Christmas, as we've discussed, 1942, is the best-selling single of all time in all of music. It perfectly makes sense now, because I used to think of Christmas music as being a subgenre of pop. I now see all of rock music 
as downstream from Christmas music. It's a genre of Christmas music. Uh-huh. I said it. Okay. So let's talk about real quick music history. So jazz is early 20th century and jazz was sort of a hybrid of classical music. So when classical music pared down to three or four or five guys in a garage band, they became a jazz band. Jazz music gave way to big band era. Big band era gave way to kind of the crooners such as Mel Torme and Frank Sinatra. And of course that gave way to Christmas music. From there, it's disputed on wh- what happened to music. Most people would say that rock and roll was the cross-pollination of blues and country, country rhythm and blues, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I used to subscribe to. And I, I, I used to say it was probably more or less 80-20, 80% country, 20% blues, whereas I think some people would say it's 50-50, hardly, because blues music doesn't come with anything other than a mood. It doesn't bring lyrics. It doesn't bring song structure. It doesn't even bring production value because country music was doing dirty better than blues was doing dirty. So I I really don't give much other than mood to blues, what it contributed to rock. But I'm changing all of that. It's It's no longer downstream from country rhythm and blues. It's downstream from Christmas music, which was this little genre that popped up that blended country music and jazz. So country and jazz, I believe, are actually the parents of rock and roll. I'm going to throw in a 1%, like a salt shaker. You just threw a little salt on that meat. That was blues. But the meat and potatoes came from Christmas and country. Wouldn't you say a lot of uh, Christmas music, they sound poppy, like pop writing, you know? Absolutely. And that's the thing is that they don't sound poppy. Pop music sounds Christmassy. Right. I mean, like you said, uh, Santa Claus is coming to town or um, Mm -hmm. uh, what other one am I thinking? Winter Wonderland. Yeah. Walking in a winter wonderland. What about like sleigh bells or something? There's like faster, the ones that have a little bit more of um, beats per minute to them that aren't valid. Sure. Well, those are pop songs. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Right. Or here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down. These are all in the 40s. These are pop songs. These are pop songs 10 years before Elvis came. In 1957, he did Blue Christmas. Blue Christmas was a hit in uh, 1949 by a country star. Again, it's not just country music that brought song structure. It was actually Christmas music, and we'll get into it here in a second, but Christmas music has awesome chords. In Christmas music, you're going to find augmented diminished chords used profoundly well major to minor minor to major and, and again this is the jazz influence but jazz music tends to for, for my liking jazz goes too far it's throwing in chords all over the place and it doesn't maintain a sense of mainstream crossover whereas of course christmas music does maintain crossover christmas music to me is just jazz music that's been popularized or popified, which is why I consider Christmas music to be the original pop music and why I think of pop music as being downstream from Christmas. But let's go ahead and get into some of these songs because there's only so much time in the day. Let's. I'm going to go chronologically just to give listeners some idea of how the music evolves. So we've all heard, should old acquaintance be forgot, da 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 Oh, yeah. I hate that. The way I learned that song was from uh, It's a Wonderful Life. I've never known why they play it at New Year's, but... Well, that came out in 1921. And, of course, before then, you had First Noel and Silent Night and Oh Holy Night and Carol of the Bells, these kind of traditional songs. But 
they're generally speaking one four one five. So C F, and I'm going to put everything into the key of C. But you're talking C F C G, maybe an E minor from time to time. Nothing too overtly uh, uh, new and inventive. However, starting 1934, this is where you get the quintessential Christmas phrase, which is the C, A minor, D minor, G. That box, which is the one six two. Five C A minor D minor G. We're gonna see it over and over and over and again. You better not shout. You better not cry. You better not pat. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. C A minor D minor G C. Now that song that's been popularized by Michael Jackson, little ten-year-old Michael Jackson in 1970, and of course Bruce Springsteen, and that's another angle to Christmas music that I think makes it very pop music-like. Is that these have become standards? What's that mean? That means people popularize these with different renditions, different takes. People inject new chord structures. How many times has any one particular Christmas song been done? Thousands of times, right? Mm-hmm. Have, can you think of any other genre of music where you get thousands of versions on every single popular song in the genre? Maybe certain country songs, but not... Um... Right. Certain country songs, and you're talking at most, like, maybe the 10 most popular country songs, you're going to get hundreds of versions. But you get thousands of versions on every Christmas song. Right. E- even the less popular ones, you're going to get thousands of versions. Why do you think that is? Is it just because it's holiday music or? It's, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to be cynical, but if I imagine even in a record contract, if you have like a, I have to get five albums to fulfill my contract and then I can renegotiate or leave the label and I'm Mariah Carey, (laughs) I could stick some holly and be in a winter coat on the cover and it's going to sell. You know, if you put that at the checkout at Barnes and Noble, you'll sell a hundred thousand copies of that crap real quick. There is some truth to that. Now that that didn't really start until the '60s, where it got truly commercialized, um, and you started to see all the different remakes. But let's go back to the uh, some of these other songs. So, 1934, Winter Wonderland comes out. Uh, walking in a winter wonderland that sings a love song as we go along. That's G F E minor D minor. Walking in a winter wonderland, GC. What was the impetus to write songs back then? I mean, commercially. Like, I understand how it works now if you're just a songwriter or if you're an artist or how mm. it worked before the internet uh, took over everything. But, uh, you know what I mean? Like, if it's 1934 and you write a song, like, there are there professional songwriters? Like, who wrote Walking in a Winter Wonderland and knows that the idea is that they're going to pitch it to some crooner? Um, folk music, baby. So folk music tends to get glossed over. Uh, and again, all folk music is, is a guy with a guitar. So the reason why jazz music got popular was because it was cheaper to produce than, you know, an 80 piece orchestra and folk music got even more popular because all it took was one guy and a guitar. So you had folk and blues uh, emerging in the thirties. Plus you had the great depression. So you had Americana songs like this land is your land. This land is my land. That's, that's great depression era. And at the same time, the same reason why you saw so much Christmas music in the forties was because it was such a dark time with the wars. Well, in the mid thirties, it was basically a financial war going on with the depression and people started to sing about just, uh, this kind of secularized version of, uh, Christianity 
and Christianity is all about celebrating eternal spirit, God coming to save the day for all of his people. So they just kind of commercialized it, made it into Santa Claus, made it into a winter wonderland and this kind of fantasizing of the darkest time of year, which is winter. So to answer your question, these songs were folk songs, just like country music. You could play it on a guitar. Hmm. You didn't have to go buy it. I think the the number one way people made money wasn't, uh, let me sell it to a crooner. It was, let me just publish this music and maybe it'll sell. Yeah. Because, I mean, even back then, I just read, um, it's a good book. It's called How Music Works by David Byrne, the uh-huh. uh, singer from The Talking, Talking Heads. Heads. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's good. It's a good book. You can read the chapters in any order. Um, here's a plug for David. And uh, but some of the chapters are better than others, I found. But one of the best chapters was just about the evolution of going from a world where all music you heard was live to suddenly right. it's recorded. And the interesting talk- thread that you uncovered there is that technology, not just for music, but technology and health, technology and business, it changes everything. And with the arts, including even painting. Photoshop now, painters paint inside Photoshop. There's just, you have so many more options if if you do. But the point is now that music has become utterly computerized, it's arguably missing some soul and it's just boring from my point of view. What we're going to see in all these Christmas songs is a lot of ingenuity, despite the fact that they're all using kind of the same pattern of chords, you're going to see some pretty cool stuff. Let's go to 1942's Happy Holidays, Ben Crosby. While the merry bells keep ringing, happy holidays to you. It starts off with a C to D minor, and you're going to see that one to two move, the C to D minor. You're going to see that that's the most common Christmas move from a C to a D minor. And then, of course, they're always going to pull it back into a G. While the merry bells keep ringing, happy holidays to you. Spoiler alert, that's John Lennon's... um, so this is Christmas C, and what have you done? D minor, another year over G, a new one just begun C. But then what did John Lennon do? He moves the key so that in the second, you're not starting on C again. Okay. So that's John Lennon's co- contribution to Christmas music as he just changes the key signature. 1942, we got White Christmas. Again, the best-selling single of all time. Here's the chords, C, D minor, G, F looks pretty familiar don't it but then we go back to d minor and to a c so i'm dreaming of a white christmas so c d minor g f just like the ones i used to know d minor c a lot of legs to this song now we've talked about in the past how rock music as it was kind of evolving in the 60s songwriters started to add more legs listen how many legs are in this song I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. That's one leg. Just like the ones I used to know. Different chord structure. Uh, That's second leg. Where the treetops glisten and children listen. Third leg. To hear sleigh bells in the snow. Fourth leg. So pretty complex music. And this is 1942. So let me go up to 1943. I'll be home for Christmas. I'll be home for Christmas. Again, Bing Crosby. War song. Yep. C. D sharp diminished, and you're going to see a lot of Christmas music using diminished chords. Diminished is, if we're talking about an A, you add an E flat. It's a six jump, basically. It's the Metallica jump, but instead of doing a jump between two chords, you're actually just infusing 
that weird six jump into the same chord. So again, on an A, you would play an E flat with it. That's diminishing the chord. And you get a lot of that in Christmas music because Christmas music oddly has some scary chords to it, but they play it and they produce it with a brightness. So you don't really sense the scariness on the chord. But think about it. I'll be home for Christmas. It kind of sounds scary. Yeah, well, depressing. C, D sharp diminished, D minor. That's what you're feeling there. And then G, where the love light gleams. That's E minor, A, D minor, G. I'll be home for Christmas. F minor, G, C, A minor, if only in my dreams. That's D, D sharp diminished, D minor, G. And you're going to see that pattern because they'd like to do a chromatic move on bass, just meaning they're moving the bass up one half step from D to D sharp. Mm-hmm. All right. 1943. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. C, A minor, D minor, G. Is that pattern looking familiar? Make uh, the Yuletide gaze. From now on, our troubles will be miles away. That's F major 7th, F minor 6th, E minor, E flat diminished, D minor, G, C. So again, you got those chromatic moves going on. That's the reason why you got the F major 7th going into an F minor 6th. They're, they're pulling it down, down to an E minor, E flat diminished, D minor, G, C. Here we are as in olden days, happy golden days of your faithful friends who are near to us, gathered near to us once more. That's A minor, B seventh, E minor, A seventh, G, D, G. Yeah. So we got some weird jazzy chords going on in here. Yeah. 1944, Christmas song, otherwise known as Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire. This is the most complicated Christmas song ever invented, written by Mel Torme. It's C major 7th, D minor 7th, E minor 7th, D minor 7th. So a little pattern there. C major, D minor, E minor, D minor. Mm-hmm. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Boom, boo doo doo Second leg, Jack Frost nipping at your nose. That's C, C ninth, F major 7th, B flat 7th. So that B flat seventh is a flat seventh. Now you're you're used to seeing that in blues or like Rolling Stones type of uh, song structure. Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow. That's A minor seventh, B flat seventh, C major seventh, B seventh. Look at those chords: A minor, mm-hmm. B flat, C, B seventh. Wow! So there's a half step there. Going from A minor to B flat makes no sense. Yeah. And then from B flat to C fine, you're returning to the root. And then you go from C down a half step to a B seventh. And that's tiny tots with their eyes all aglow. Then we get into kind of a a jazzy thing. E minor, B flat seventh, E flat major seventh, G seventh. They had to have been writing on piano. And they're visiting the cousins. So again, the theme of this episode is visiting the cousins in the past we've talked about how if you're in the key of c and you hit an e flat or you're in the key of c and you hit a b flat that's like a flat seventh or you hit a 
E major, anytime you're majoring something that should be a minor, or anytime you're hitting that E flat, which doesn't really belong in the key, but it still kind of works, that's visiting the cousins because you're still in the family, but you're not in the nuclear family. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what Christmas is all about. Am I right? It's all about visiting the extended family. <laughs> Not this year. <laughs> Not this year. Pandemic. A plandemic, I should say. Oh, we went there. I went there. The, the bottom line is, is that jazz does that effortlessly, but jazz isn't crossover music. The only people I know who listen to jazz are jazz enthusiasts. People don't go out of their way to listen to jazz, but (laughs) everybody listens to Christmas music. Am I right? Yeah. But Christmas music gets away with the same stuff that jazz music can't. Yeah. Now, what do you credit to Christmas music's popularity as far as just being in the the consciousness of every person? Like, is it just because of movies that, that there's no, no, it's a good question. It's a great question. In fact, because. The knee-jerk response would be, well, it's holiday music and people just like the holidays, therefore they like the music that accommodates it. But that would be not doing it justice because Christmas music is darn good on its own merits. It wouldn't matter if these songs didn't have to do with Yuletide carols and uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. The fact is, is these songs accomplish what music is supposed to accomplish first and foremost, which is to be fun and to be relatable and to be songs you can hum and to be songs that amuse something in us, because we're not just molecular structure and random atoms. There's something in us, we call it intelligence, that can interpret. You hear a good melody, some of it's subjective, but there is some objective, qualitative way to evaluate, this is a good melody, this isn't. Well, whatever that is, and we won't figure it out because it's kind of a black box. It's tough to know exactly what makes something good, but you know it when you hear it. Christmas music is good melody. It's good song structure. It's exactly what the Beatles brought in such a concise and cohesive and consistent way. They brought good melodies to every single song that had not been done before. Christmas music did the same thing 20 years before the Beatles as a genre. It just produced excellent melodies. You know what else is like that? Um, Obviously, I wouldn't listen to this for enjoyment, but I have to Mm -hmm. admit growing up in the Catholic Church, the Mm. actual songs from the hymnal, especially the the big ones, they're kind of like that. I mean, they're very memorable melodically, so the congregation can sing along. I mean... Guess what? Those songs came out of Vatican II, which is like this monumental legislation essentially signed by Rome where they said, let's make the church more contemporary. Mm -hmm. And so they allowed or they encouraged the people within the church to write music that was popular. And this was in the 60s. So the music that you're talking about was inspired by Beatles and Rolling Stones. And it had at that point become kind of common to understand what made a good melody and what didn't. And therefore, the cream rose to the top. And those songs that we sang in the Catholic Church are great. I've studied them. The awesome song structures, just like Christmas music, where it's right. hyper-intelligent. Okay, so we, we we just talked about, and we didn't do it justice, but I got to move on. But that song, the Christmas song, is it's got awesome chords throughout the whole thing. Go learn it on guitar, because it's fantastic. You're still talking about Chestnuts, right? That's right. Yeah. Or otherwise known as The Christmas Song. It deserves that title, The Christmas Song, because those chords are some of the craziest chords in any popular song throughout 
all of music history. So it deserves to be crowned the Christmas song. 1945, let us know, let us know, let us know. Um, this is very typical chords, just C to G to C, so one to five to one. And then it rests back on five before hitting D minor and coming back around to G. But let's talk about the middle eight. When we finally kiss goodnight, how I hate going out in the storm. But if you really hold me tight all the way home, I'll be warm. G major seventh to A minor to D. Up until this point, you you don't see that chord sequence from a G to an A minor and then to a D. And again, what do they do? They major the D. Mm-hmm. All the way home, I'll be warm. That's a major D. But in the rest of the song, the fire outside is dying. Since we have no place to go, let us know, let us know. That's a D minor. D minor, D minor, G to C. So they're playing, at this point, they're beginning to swap out the minors and the majors, which you'll see throughout Christmas music. Lots of swapping going on. So that's 45. 1947, here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down to Santa Claus line. Just C to a G, one to five. Uh, he's going to da 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 fill in all the rain. Bells on jingle, merry da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That's F to E minor, D minor to C. So you'll see that kind of chord progression where they walk down the scale. But what they do in this, let's get to the Lord above because Santa Claus comes tonight. So what you're seeing there, and this is the first time it's used, but you'll see it throughout Christmas music. And this is all going to lead to Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You which is one of the most popular Christmas songs. It uses every single trick we're going to discuss today. (laughs) I didn't mean to rag on her earlier then. (laughs) She put out a Christmas album with an original Christmas song. All I want for Christmas is you. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. That's my favorite Christmas song. Like, okay. So last Christmas by wham is that, was that an original? Yeah. That's original. good on them. I have that one in our list. So we'll get to it in about 40 years. Yeah. uh, Cause we're in the forties right now, but, um, so going back to that, here comes Santa Claus. They use that A seventh, and again in the key of C, that's that should be an A minor, but they major it. It's a cousin, and we're going to see that a lot. But we'll come back to that. 1949, baby, it's cold outside. I really can't stay. That's C D minor, and back and forth, and then a G minor to a C. So here's where that G minor fits in. I've got to go away, baby. It's cold outside. I really had that. So I can win. So that little G minor they figure in there. And this is very popular. This is very common inside Christmas music is to do a stitch fix, as we talked about with Blur, where you just make a chord that should really just be a G, but they made it into a G minor for no other reason. Then it just gives it that bent, that little, ugh little bit of uh flavor that song's canceled by the way oh i love it even more um i i got to be so suspicious of it's about my tape at least another have a drink more that's f i got the da, 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 da. and then they do an f sharp bass the chromatic thing on a d so they're going from an f to a d but they're using the f sharp bass to give it that uh, little sharp feel and then they hit the g and then, of course, because, baby, it's cold outside. That goes C, A, as we just discussed. Majoring the A is now a common thing in Christmas music. To a D, to a G. 1949. I'll have a blue Christmas without you. Although it's not Elvis's version. 1949. And it was the number one Christmas uh, country song. Go from C, I'll have a blue Christmas without you, G. And then we stay on G, I'll be so blue 
with just thinking about you back up the sea decorations of red c7 with a green f christmas tree d so that f to a d move that's you know a sharp feel because that should be a d minor but uh g have a blue 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 christmas back to c all right 1951 it's beginning to look a lot like christmas perry kumo it's b c f c c e f so you get that little hard sharp in there but the prettiest sight to see is the holly that will be f to f minor so again doing the major to minor sequence on your d minor g c that is the biggest tail to use no one does f g c they always do d minor g c in christmas music a pair of humble boots, a dope the dude, the wisdom out of man. Of course, you know, some weird chords in here D minor, G, C, A7, D minor, G, C. And in the middle eight, we got E major to A minor to D and some G, D, C. I'm not going to go too into it because there's just too many chords. That's We had discussed Paul McCartney's Christmas song in 1979, how he likes to move chords on every beat. That's a common thing in Christmas music. Mm you will get chords moving back and forth. Even if it's just going C, F, C, F, C, F, they're doing, they're changing it every single beat. Gotcha. Gives it a playful, and it's kind of a folky sound, which it, it emerged from folk. 1952, I saw mama kissing Santa Claus, which is just C, E minor, A minor. So it goes back and forth. C, A minor, C, G. He didn't see me creep, D minor, G. In any case, you get the point. It's just kind of using these same chords over and over. 1957. So rock and roll is born in 54, 55. Now we got Jingle Bell Rock in 1957. Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell Rock. You can feel the chrom- the chromatic dissension. C, C major seventh, C six, back to C. So it all stays on C. Jing da 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 D minor to G D minor to G and it stays on D. So it's going back and forth between D minor G D minor G middle eight. It's a right time. It's a right time to rock the night away. F F minor C. It's doing the major to minor sequences and doing a lot of sevenths in here. 1958 rocking around the Christmas tree. Have a happy holiday. Just C to G. Da, 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 da. It's the same thing. D minor to G, D minor to G. It's the same thing as Jingle Bell Rock. You know what's amazing? It's just how you keep naming these songs, and it's just amazing how many of these we just all know. I mean, right. how many how many <laughs> famous Christmas songs are there? It's got to be. I mean, that we, that everybody knows. I'm going to cover 30 today. I'd say there's 100, 100. that everybody knows. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. And they've all been covered a thousand times. Yeah. So you're talking about literally millions of Christmas songs. Yeah. Well, people are still trying to write them because they know the the value if you come up with if you come up with the winner. The one. There's a Hugh Grant movie where he's living off the royalties from his dad's song. Uh, uh-huh. It's called About a Boy or something. I think he was just late. He was like it was like Santa's sleigh, and his dad had written one Christmas song, and like Hugh Grant was just living off that money. I got to go see it. I haven't seen You've it. You've never seen About a Boy? No. Oh, great movie. To the middle eight of Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. You will get a sentimental feeling. That's F, 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 E minor. Voices singing, let's be jolly. Deck the halls about. So they do a little chromatic bend there. They do A minor, A major, seventh, A minor, seventh, to D seventh, to G. 1958. Uh, 
this Christmas, don't be late. Alvin and the Chipmunks. It's just doing C to G, C to F, and back to C. So there's a lot of root fifth, root fourth that you'll see throughout Christmas music. Uh, and that started with like Silent Night and First Noel and a lot of the early kind of traditional music. It's just one, four, one, five music. So as we know what happened in music history, the sixties begin and you start to get all types of influences. Cause now you got rock and roll music, but you still got Christmas music trying to invent. And that's the, that's the thing I need everyone to take away from this is that it wasn't just pop music. I used to think it was just pop and rock music that was doing inventing. It's now Christmas music. You got authors in the Christmas music genre still helping to break ceilings mm. and invent new tricks. So let's talk about some of them. 1961, Please Come Home for Christmas. This was popularized by uh, Don Henley of the Eagles. Bells will be ringing this sad, sad news. So here's the, the sequence. Bells will be C, C major seventh, C seventh. So it's all staying on C. It's got the chromatic thing coming down. Oh, what a Christmas F to have the blues. Then they do the F sharp bass with the D for that kind of strange chromatic lift from F to F sharp. My baby's gone. C to F. I have no family. And then it does the, the, the bass descension. C, B, A minor. To wish me Christmas. D, once again, G with an augmented. That augmented in that G is very famous. You know which one I'm talking about? Where it kind of bends it up? I do now that you're mentioning it, yeah. Okay, let me let me actually do it here. I got the guitar. Oh. Right, here we go. Oh, we didn't uh, tune before the show, did we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't tune all right. All right, so in any case, that augmented, especially how well it's featured, that's breaking new ground. And of course, it's also utilizing the triplet piano. Bells will be ringing, ching, 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 triplet, triplet piano. John Lennon loved that sound on his uh, in his solo career. Famously used it on Double Fantasy with uh, Just Like Starting Over. Love it. But yeah, point being is that I think John Lennon, I think Beatles music was heavily inspired by Christmas genre because it was particularly flavorful and complex. Let's talk about 1962. Have a holly jolly Christmas in case you didn't hear. Well, that's just C to G and then G to C, D minor, A minor, D, G. Uh, Typical boxes, nothing we haven't seen before, but still a very popular tune. 1963. It's the most wonderful time of the year. This is a typical, very Paul McCartney-esque, where he's changing on every single beat. C, A minor, D minor, G. So the one interesting thing in here that they do is, um, there'll be parties for toasting, marshmallows for hosting, and caroling out in the snow. There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmas is long, long ago. So F minor to B flat, E flat to A flat, F minor to G. So again, this is in the key of C. We're visiting cousins. These are like third cousins we're visiting to get from F minor to B flat to E flat to A flat to F minor back to G. And you can feel it in the tone of the song from Christmas is long, long ago. That's where he gets back into the family in the key of C on the chord of G. 1963, Christmas, Baby Come Home, popularized by U2. Christmas, the snow falling down. Christmas, I'm watching it fall. It's C, E minor, F, G. Very typical chord sequence. And they also do a C, A minor, F, G. 
they're kind of just sister chord sequences. Okay, let's talk about a really cool one. So we we had discussed in the past how the Beatles broke the mold in 1963. They invented the chorus with She Loves You and probably more so with I Want to Hold Your Hand because that was the one that broke them in America. Well, as soon as that happens, I had mentioned before that the Beach Boys came up with their first song that had a chorus in like February of 1964. Uh, don't worry, baby. Don't, don't worry, baby. You got, you got <laughs> that right before me. So don't worry, baby. I accredit it as being their first song with a chorus. However, guess what? It was their first Christmas song that beat it to the punch. They have 1963 December. They have Little Saint Nick, Little Saint Nick. It's the Little Saint Nick, Little Saint Nick. Wah, wah, wah. Like uh, Little Deuce Coop. Merry Christmas, Santa. Christmas comes each time this year. The point being is that this was their first song with a chorus. And it's actually the first Christmas song with a chorus. Up until this point, they're all verse refrains. So Little Saint Nick is A minor to D, which is a cousin. G. And then, of course, because it's freaking Brian Wilson, A flat diminished. (laughs) So let's talk about that. He's just going back and forth between two chords. A minor to G, A minor to D, G to A flat diminished, G to A flat diminished. And then the chorus is just Little St. Nick, C, Little St. Nick is the Little St. A minor to D. Okay. Point is, is he liked it so much, he came out with another cool song one year later. 1964 he's the man with all the toys in other words santa and that's d f c so that's an interesting chord sequence you oftentimes see f to d in in the key of c you rarely see d to f to c and that's the reason why it sounds so weird. He's the man with all the toys. The, do you know this song? I don't think I do, actually. Okay. Yeah. You need to listen to it because listen to the, the structure. That's the chorus. They only play the chorus at the beginning and at the end. And in the middle, they got a refrain, two refrains. So it's chorus, refrain, refrain, chorus. And the refrains are just D to G, C to A, all majors. So again, D is a cousin and A is a cousin. D, G, C, A. And in the uh, kind of the pre-chorus, it's F to F minor, C to A, D, G, C. It's only 90 seconds long. It's a pretty cool song. And it does, it still gets played on all the Christmas channels. So this is a lasting hit. And he did it with cool chords and a cool song structure. Thank you, Brian Wilson. Do you remember the, um, the I actually, you know, th- I think of myself as a Beatles trivia, not trivia, but at least their music. I, for some reason, never knew they had that random Christmas song um, in like 65, maybe 64. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's it's not that good. That's the reason it's, why it's, you don't know it. It's not, but I, just <laughs> the fact that it even existed and I, it just, they obviously like were forced to go into the studio and throw something down. Right. Well, they didn't even talk about it in the Beatles anthology. They just try to cut it right out of their history. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, Star Wars Christmas special. Don't ever mention it. So 1966. Now, this is what I love about Christmas music, because it's going with the flow. What's happening in 1966? Pop music's getting psychedelic. And of course, Christmas music also got like-minded and got psychedelic. So you get, it's a marshmallow world in the winter. 
when the snow comes to cover the ground. The point is, is that Marshmallow World sounds like a psychedelic dream. In fact, it sounds like it's predating Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, if you ask me. Yeah. The chords are C to G, and then D minor, G, C, A, the cousin A, D minor, D major, G, C. And that D minor to D major, um, see if I can think about it. It's a whipped green day. It's a mastering day. A winter in the whole new world. The, the point is right there, he's switching from the minor to the major, the D minor to the major. Uh, 1966, Mr. Grinch. Ah. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You're a monster in your heart or whatever it is. It's A minor, D minor, G, C. Your heart's an empty hole. That's A minor, D, E. A minor's in the family. D is a cousin. And E is also a cousin. It should be a minor. They major it. And that's pretty much the whole song. Who wrote that one? I mean, they created a whole... I mean, indirectly, I, I imagine the cartoon came from that. And... Oh, yeah. Well, you also had like uh, Charlie Brown's Christmas coming out in 65. And that kind of contributed to this kind of new cartoon form. So I'd, say, I'd actually give the award to Christmas Time is Here as being the one that broke uh, Christmas music wide open for uh, cartoons. Cause I, I believe that Frosty the snowman came in 1966. I got another question for you. Yeah. How prevalent is this American kind of these American pop culture Christmas innovations? How prevalent are they in like other countries Are people, would they know all these songs in, uh, I think, I feel like England would be, yeah, but like, I don't know. Sweden, Romania. Did, did they know all this crap or is this just us? <laughs> Not, they, they would know white Christmas. They know white Christmas for sure. The question is, do they know Mr. Grinch or marshmallow world? These contemporary hits, they don't. Yeah. Christmas time is here. That's a weird one. Uh, C major seventh Christmas time is here. F diminished. So between C major seventh and F diminished. That's why it sounds so haunting. Christmas time is here. And then, of course, you get the la, 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 la. Oh, you're creeping me out, man. It's F sharp minor to E minor to D minor to G to C. Okay, let's jump forward to 1984. Do they know it's Christmas time at all? This one does one thing interesting that hadn't been done in Christmas music yet. So it's a typical chord sequence of uh, four, five, one. Who's it by? Oh, it's a consortium. Do they know it's Christmas time is when all the uh, the Live Aid singers kind of banded together. So you had oh. Sting in there, Bono, Michael Jackson. Uh, it's funny because like individually, I could sing all their praises in different ways. But when they all get together. How many times has it been mocked? The sum, the sum is not better than the individual parts. Well, the song does do one thing that hadn't been done before. As we've discussed in the past, chord carousels. So what that means is this. The whole song, they're going, it's Christmas time. They let us all in they better shades. So it's, that's F, G, C. In our world of plenty, they can spread a tide of joy. That's the chord carousel. Because when they went from F, G to C, they brought it back to F to finish the bar, to finish that phrase. They didn't land on C and stop on C. They push back into the first chord, which is what makes it a chord carousel. Right. And then they stay on F and say, throw your arms around the world at Christmas time. That's all I'm going to say about do they know it's Christmas. 1984, 
last Christmas. You brought it up before, George, Michael, and Wham. And that is just the age-old Christmas box sequence. C, A minor, D minor, G, the whole song. Last Christmas, they gave me my heart, but the very next day, they gave it away. Repeat a thousand times until the song's over. Jump forward to 1989. One of my favorite Christmas songs, I must confess. It's a country Christmas song. And country music listener is my favorite music to listen to. And we've yet to do a country music episode. I might let Ryan do that episode because he did a bunch of research and deconstructed how many times (laughs) the same chord sequences are used over and over and over. Uh, How about if you just give me a segment? (laughs) Yeah, I'll give you a segment. But yeah, we got to do an episode on country music because similar to this, you could probably trace various chord sequences evolving over the course, but you're going to see a lot of patterns in country. But let's talk about Christmas and Dixie. Christmas and Dixie, it's snowing in the pine. Merry Christmas from Dixie. Well, that is F to G to C and then a D minor to a G. So nothing much going on there, but I wanted to mention it. Okay, my my favorite Christmas song, 1994's All I Want for Christmas, and that is Mariah Carey. She co-wrote it with her guy who she co-wrote all of her songs with. There's four legs to the phrase. I don't want a lot for Christmas, right? So that's C to a C with an E bass which is important because this whole song is about manipulating the the chord by choosing a bass note in the chord. And if you don't play it with the bass note, it doesn't sound like it. So I don't want a lot for Christmas. E, there is just one thing I need. F, G sharp diminished underneath the Christmas tree. So that G sharp diminished, that makes this song. Because they keep coming back to it. That's the first leg. Every leg ends with a G sharp diminished. They could have ended it with just G. They could have done it with a typical D minor. And in fact, I watched a video on YouTube about this chord. I was like, does anyone else realize that this chord not only is the most Christmassy chord, but makes this song into being what it is, which is to have that like almost frankincense poured over it? Because the diminished chord is the frankincense of chords. Right. It's the um, the mistletoe. It is the mistletoe. And the... Uh, the eggnog. The, the nutmeg <laughs> and the eggnog. All in one, baby. I was glad to find that there was a whole video dedicated, like a five-minute video dedicated to this song being made. Now, they called it a D-diminished minor. And I don't know what they're talking about because it's a G-sharp diminished. When they go to the verse, they don't play a G-sharp diminished. They just play a straightforward G-sharp. So... It's definitely a G-sharp diminished, but they made a big point of saying it's a D-diminished minor seventh. <laughs> well, who knows? Hmm. All right, so that's the first leg. Second leg, I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need, and I don't want a lot for Christmas underneath the Christmas tree. I just want you for my own, more than you could ever know. C to E to A minor. To G sharp diminished. Make my wish come true. All I want for Christmas is you. That's C to A seventh to D minor to G sharp diminished. All right. So again, here's all the chords. C, then a C with an E in the bass. F, G sharp diminished. Then C with an actual E chord to an A minor to a G sharp diminished again to a C to an A seventh, to a D minor, to a G sharp diminished again. And then the middle eight 
which is, oh no, all the lights are shining, the riding every day, so baby. And I saw the Christmas and as it fills the air. That's E seventh, A minor, F minor, G sharp, C, A, D minor, not a G, but a D minor with a G in the bass. If you play it G, it doesn't sound like it. So you got to play a D minor with a G in the bass. This song, besides dressing and drenching itself in all the typical colloquialisms of Christmas music, be it from sleigh bells to gospel singers in the background, to the uh, iconic intro of bells ringing, playing the general melody of the song, as well as starting out with the classic C, A minor, F, G sequence, even though the song isn't based on C, A minor, F, G, it kind of dances around C, A minor, F, G, but it never plays it. It plays it in the intro. This song really is smart and intelligent and is attempting to deconstruct all the Christmas music while you listen to it, which is the reason why people like it. I believe that people, I think that they're born with high IQs, but if you don't use it, you lose it. Okay. (laughs) I still hold out hope that that intelligence that they were born with, people still hold on to it somewhere deep in their subconscious and that they respond to the best of what artists can produce. That's why I like people who like Beatles music, because it's like, if you like Beatles music, you're an intelligent person that you can appreciate that. Not a cursory appreciation. Okay. I was going to say, there's dumb Beatles fans. <laughs> you got to love Beatles music. And people love this song. And I love the fact that they love this song, because I'm hoping that they're responding to the fact that it's so freaking intelligent. Maybe they aren't, but I like to think they are. All right. Last Christmas song. And uh, it's 1999. It finished up the 20th century. And you turned me on to, I never even heard it until maybe 2010. And I was a big fan of country music. What What am I going to say? You're asking me? Yeah, because you turned me on to this song. A country song that's a Christmas song. Yeah. It came out in 1999. It's a great one. I'd put it in the top 30 of all time Christmas songs. <laughs> <laughs> Garth Brooks. Baby Jesus is Born. I don't know if I introduced you to that. You did. You did. We uh, were writing Christmas music five years ago. We did a Christmas song battle. And you brought it up to me that Garth Brooks had done it. It was news to me. So I went and listened to it. Awesome song. It's got uneven bars, meaning, you know, you got four by four and then you got five. uh, You got phrasing with five bars and six bars. You got two four bars. It's got all kinds of lopsided, uneven measures. Besides the fact that it's also got some pretty cool chord sequences and a great production value. You know what? I'm going to play my Christmas song at the end of this for the listener, because one thing after going through all of this Christmas music that I realized was that, uh, again, the diminished chord is kind of that nutmeg of Christmas chords. And I was mm-hmm. glad to see that I use a diminished in my Christmas song. Ah, nice. Unwittingly, I sing the diminished. And that's even harder to try to sing a diminished. But my song, Christmas Babe, is uh, all based around a diminished note. I just knew it intrinsically because I never really sat down to study Christmas music until this episode. And uh, I knew that there was something there. And I was hoping when I'd unwrap the present that something beautiful would emerge. And it has. So what's your takeaways on Christmas music? For me, it's like there's this sort of genre of songwriting that all molds into one. It's kind of like when um, there was some early Beatles covers that they were doing. Like, remember the song Till There Was You? Mm-hmm. And just because of the fact that the Beatles did it, I had access to that, you know, on the chords. But those were always those types of songs where I'm like, Jazz. Look, at the, look at these chords. Right. These are crazy. Like, these are like 
it, it felt like professional songwriting. And I feel the same way about uh, some aspects of Motown and then some aspects of, like we talked about earlier, church music and mm -hmm. uh, the, the Christmas songs. Even songs just like strumming my pain with his fingers, you know, that, mm -hmm. that type of songwriting with those types of chords. Right. Where to me, it's almost genreless. Like if you change the lyrics to some of these Christmas songs, they could be church songs and change some church song lyrics. They could be Christmas songs. and change. Right. Well, what it is, is it's crossover composer music. Yeah. Formal orchestral music. It's too complex for the average person to care. There's too many melodies going on. It's not simple enough. What Christmas music is, or any good pop song, or these complex pop songs that you're mentioning, what they're doing is they're straddling between being complex but still crossover right. composer music, which is what the Beatles try to do. Well, it is. McCartney is just one step below Mozart. Or, or one step above, because it, it's harder to refine complexity than it is to just let complexity be complexity. Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of, it's the kind of songwriting I'm actually probably the most interested in, because it's a little more timeless. It's not about mm -hmm. the radio or the trends. It's, it's just a more about good composition. And like I said, I mean, you can take the music and stick it in another genre and it still works. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, even like some stuff like by Simon and Garfunkel and stuff like, like just that traditional songwriting. Uh, I really enjoy. So mm -hmm. I never really thought about Christmas music cause it's just, I don't know. It's just tainted by the season. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing is that uh, I love nutmeg, but I only eat it at Christmas time. Why don't I yeah. eat it the rest of the year? <laughs> right. I've thought a lot about like Thanksgiving foods. Why are they once a year? I love stuffing. <laughs> so the point being is that, yes, Christmas music, just to put a bow tie on this, uh, Christmas music is upstream from pop music. And I'm not willing to even say it's downstream from jazz because jazz doesn't get to own complex chords. I think Christmas music is its own thing, probably influenced by country to a certain extent, but it's, it, it really is its own thing because it, I, I'm looking at it going, well, there's classical in there, there's jazz in there, there's country in there, but there's something else that wasn't invented before, which was the crossover of complex melody. You can't find it before Christmas music genre, and that's its lasting impression. It invented the complex pop song. Hmm. Love it. All right. Well, the next episode is going to be about something other than Christmas music, but I don't know what. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll get we'll get to it. I'm not going to make any predictions because Led Zeppelin went out the window real fast uh, last time. And I'm thinking that at this point, I just don't know what I want to do. I'll put my Christmas music here at the end of the episode. And if Ryan gets me his Christmas song, I'll put his after mine. Santa's got a sweet tooth. Yeah. Santa's got a sweet tooth. You know what inspired that song? What? I bet you can guess it's a Beatles song. Oh, Sad Boy Truffle. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly, exactly where my mind was. Love it. Well, if you give it to me, I'll put it after my song. I really am going to be learning a couple of those songs. White Christmas, Chestnuts Roast and Open Fire, and maybe um, I'll Be Home for Christmas. It's not just the chords, but something I can finger pick. And uh, they're just such warm, jazzy, very complex corded songs. Now, are you going to sip a beverage with nutmeg in it when you do this <laughs> by, by a fireplace? Or is that yes, that's exactly how I like my nutmeg, right by the fireplace, with maybe a chestnut or two in my drink. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Well, on that note, uh, also happy birthday this week. Thank you. A couple days Turn ago. to big 4-0. 4-0. 40 years to the day from John Lennon leaving the planet Earth and going uh, through to the next. I was on the planet for 10 hours before he died because I was born in the morning. It's funny because when they when I hear about it from the English perspective, they're like, John Lennon died on December 7th. Right. Maybe December 9th. They're after us. I guess they think December 9th. Yeah. Okay. So you had 10 hours with John. Yeah. And then I inherited all of his talent. Yeah, what did you do with it? I made a podcast, baby. <laughs> Christmas ain't what you're supposed to say. Say happy holidays. But I say Merry Christmas, Jesus say. Christmas made me different. Santa's got a sweet tooth. Oh, 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 oh.